Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 161. The Fun Ideas Podcast is brought to you in part by Lee's Comics. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store. Based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself. Lee's Comics was named as one of the 21 best online dealers by popoptique.com. To shop the Lee's Comics eBay store, go to eBay and search for Lee's Comics, Inc. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast when you order, and you'll receive a free bonus gift. You remember them from your childhood. Half for the Friendly Ghost, Richie Ridge, Hot Stuff, Baby Huey, Sad Sack and Little Audrey. You read them in comic books and saw them on television and in the movies. Now you can read about how they and other Harvey comic characters were created in two great books from Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions, The Best of Harveyville Fun Times and The Harvey Comic Companion. Both are available from Amazon. The Companion is also available from Fair Manor Media. They are available in hardcover, paperback, and ebook version. Order your copies today. Long title Looking for the Good Times Examining the Monkey Song One by One by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. A book that examines each song, gives lots of details about each song, and our own personal opinions. You can find this book on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and anywhere where good books are being sold. Our webpage is wordpress.monkeys.com, where you can see many of the songs and give your own opinions of them. And we will be discussing this more on Zilch. Christmas, Christmas time is here, and Alvin and the Chipmunks are here again. In 1958, a down-on-the-clock songwriter with an unlikely name of Ross Bagdasarian plunged the last of his family savings on a multi-speed tape recorded and created The Witch Doctor and Alvin and the Chipmunks. This changed the fortune for his family, his record label, and animated cartoon studio. Alvin! The story of Ross Bagdasarian, Liberty Records, Format Films and The Alvin Show by Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions is available from Amazon and Fair Manor Media in hardcover, paperback, and ebook versions. Order your copies today. You can now order my latest book, the TTV Scrapbook, from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Bear Manor Media. If you'd like signed copies of this or any of my books, please email me at funideas.mark at gmail.com for further information on how to order directly from me via PayPal. I now have three super articles to write for Back Issue. Super Richie, Super Dagwood, and Super Fan. My Pac-Man book is the next to be coming out, and I'm still working on my Mad and Turtles books. 
Warren Kremer is due out eventually, as is my next Disney book. Last time our guest was here, she was promoting her documentary about Bill Scott, one of the writers and voice artists of J. Ward Productions. Now she is doing voiceovers herself. Here she is, Amber Jones. Ah, oh, I've never had that message before. This meeting is being recorded by the host or a participant. It's usually the, the other person who gets it. <laughs> because how many interviews I've done about, about just over 50 so far. <laughs> this, wait yeah. a minute, wait a minute. I haven't even introduced you yet. I haven't even done the introduction yet. Nobody knows what All right. Sorry. All right. All right. Um, hi, this is Mark at Fun Ideas Podcast. Mark Arnold, that is. And today I have another special guest. Actually, she's been on before, but this time she's on solo. Um, it is Ms. Amber Jones, all the way from Chester, Cheshire, England. Hello. <laughs> so I was looking that up and I, I don't know where either. I mean, I know where England is, but uh, tell me a little bit about Chester and Cheshire and where that is in proximity to, say, London or something. I know where London is. <laughs> Um, distance from London, I'd say four hours, I believe. For north, four hours, north. um, it's more up north, yeah. And um, from Liverpool, it's only about forty minutes. East, east of Liverpool, I guess. Since yeah, I suppose yeah. And uh, Liverpool to Chester is like the northwest of just something along those lines. It's okay. easy. It's easy. It's kind of easy to explain if you draw it like on a picture or a map or something like that. Um, I do know though that the Eastgate clock in Chester is the second most photographed clock in the world, followed by Big Ben in London. So <laughs> there wow. is that. Oh, yeah. Claim to fame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then of course you've got the Romans and stuff and the, the Diva Wall, the City Wall, and the Amphitheatre. And I'm trying to think there's another there's another thing I know about the race course, yeah. Of course. Yeah. So a lot of races happen there. There used to be a dock, but now it's obviously been converted into a race course, which many events happen there, racing events, uh, fun fairs, um, and yeah, it's just it's Half gorgeous, half you know, he's been proved. Sorry, didn't kill me. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, last time we spoke, we had Camden Spees on here, who I've spoken to uh, recently, um, because we did a Looney Tunes uh, audio commentary literally last night. So, uh, that was fun. Uh, but today you're on your own. But uh, I, I do want to ask you some of the probably some of the same questions I asked last time. Uh, just to give an extra plug for your documentary. So uh, where I learned about you, of course, is from your Bill Scott documentary you did called Bill Scott, The Portrait of a Moose. And I think somewhere along the line, you reached out to me and asked me if I had some information. And I hope I contributed something worthwhile <laughs> at some point. And then I had you on the show with Camden because he helped write script for that thing. And then we finally all had a big group thing where you had like various people that you interviewed and stuff like that, um, all in a big giant Zoom meeting, and we all watched it. And I wanted to go back and watch it again, but I just have not had the chance to. So um, my question, I guess, after all that is, um, and like I said, I probably asked this last time you're on, but I got to ask it again. It's like, how in the world did you decide to take on doing such a big documentary about somebody that, yeah, very little has actually been written about him. I mean, a little bit, but, you know, not as much as, say, say like Mel Blanc or somebody else. 
Yeah, well, <clears throat> excuse me. It first started when I was a little 14-year-old girl who loved cartoons. I have autism, so I go through different obsessions. Um, my obsession I is in the summer of 2018, I became obsessed with Rocky and Bullwinkle. And I think that was through the Disney animated uh, TV series. Um yeah, because I watched The Adventures of the Gummy Bears and I saw June Frey in it. And then my previous obsession was Hanna-Barbera. So I was like, oh, June Frey was was was, was Jokey Smurf and Smurfs. And she was originally going to be uh, in the Flintstone series. Who's, uh, oh, what, what's her name? Is it? Oh, yeah. Uh, she was. I think she was originally going to be Betty Rubble. But then like, some, yeah. some sort of disagreement yeah. happened between... Uh, Bill Hannah and Joe Barbera in June or something like that. Um, so I obviously looked into June's career and then I realised it would be the first anniversary of her death. So this would be about the 26th of July, 2018. Mm-hmm. And, that, and now thinking about it this year, it's been nearly five years that she's gone, but back yeah. then it hadn't even been a year. So it's crazy to think about that. Um, so I obviously decided to research most of her roles. So that's like Granny from Looney Tunes, Witch Hazel. Uh, and then I came across Rocky from Rocky and Bullwinkle. And I was like, oh, what's this? I watched it and I was like, okay, I love this. This is my new favorite show. So obviously I binge watched it. It helped me get through this really bad depression period that I went through because one of my favorite actresses passed away um so it was sort of a distraction from that and I think it really helped um considering I did struggle a lot excuse me with the pole play in my hair with my hair it's like <laughs> it's, trying, okay. it's trying to uh you have to cut it out or something there we go um so it, it it was like a distraction really um and that's that's the thing I tend to do I tend to fidget a lot so you know that's okay. another trait of mine um I looked at the voice cast because, you know me, I'm obsessed with voice actors. And I see June Frey, Paul Freeze, who I already knew about, Dawes Butler, who I already knew about from Oh Hannah Barbera. And then there was this guy called Bill Scott. And I was like, ah? Oh? And I searched him up and he was like, well, he was in the Gummy Bears as well. So pretty much I watched June and Bill in Gummy Bears before I saw them in Rocky and Bullwinkle. Um, so I did a bit of research on Bill. I was like, oh, I like him. He looks really smart and just, I like his looks. And obviously he died way too soon. 65, that's, I just, I just wish he'd live like into the 2000s or the 90s. That would have been really cool to see what the world would have looked like then. Um, so I think it didn't happen. The documentary thing didn't happen until I'd say about, summer 2019 I had been thinking about doing a rocking ball one called documentary for the 60th anniversary of the show so I did that and I interviewed a few people Keith Scott Fred Freeze uh son of Paul Freeze um so me and my friend did that and we interviewed a few voice actors from the reboot which just like we don't talk about Bruno so it gets stuck in your head we don't talk about the reboot <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of people, not a lot of people like the reboot, and um, it's a very long story. Just really, just how, you know. Well, it is approved by obviously the ward estate, so. Yeah. But you know, I'm not here to talk about you know the whole legal stuff. I'm here to talk about well, Bill Scott. So, I did that documentary, and I was thinking to myself, well, 
I've seen June Foray's documentary and I've seen Dawes Butler's documentary. I've seen Fred Freeze's book on his dad. I've seen June's autobiography. Where's Bill's autobiography? Where's his documentary? And I was disappointed to find that there was nothing of the sort online. So I was like, you know what? I'm so sorry. Um, Challenge accepted, I guess, is what you were trying to allude to. I'd be like, (laughs) if no one's going to make a documentary on Bill, I think I'll do it myself. I don't know why. My brain just sort of like blue screen then. I was just like, you know, that little buffering. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely amazing to me. I mean, I, I, you know, I, you know, especially at what I consider a very young age to do one, you know, uh, but also, you know, at any age, if you did, I mean, I, I consider taking on to doing a documentary about anybody right now at my age of 55. It, <laughs> lots of effort, lots of interviews, lots of time and everything. But, you know, um, so what was I forget, was this all done or were you underway with it pre pandemic? Um, I think it was but during the pandemic I started to work oh, okay. on it. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. because I, I, to be fair, I'm 18 now. I'm Yay. old. Um, so, <laughs> um, well, you're so, my second oldest podcast guest. I had someone on here who uh, he was 13. Uh, about oh, wow. six months ago. So, and oh, he's a so huge, cool. huge, huge Beatles fan. And he's like, You, it's like you're too young to know about all this stuff that happened <laughs> way before you were born. <laughs> you know, no, there's no problem with that. In fact, I appreciate it very much. So anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so I think I'm 18 now. Well, I was 14 when I got into Bill Scott. If 18 year old me did something like this five years ago, then 14 year old me would have been like, oh my gosh, I've got to watch this. I've got to binge watch this. I've got to watch this every single week, every single day, every hour of the day. <laughs> Literally just younger me would have just appreciated what I would have done. I just did what younger me would have loved to see when she got into bill scott for the first time Mm -hmm. and um i guess the last time i think i really kind of spoke to you is during when you were having the viewing with everybody there is keith scott and uh who uh tara strong and uh who else was there will ryan bob kurtz oh will ryan was there oh that's right yeah (laughs) anyway um uh but you know yeah a lot of people were there and i think the scott family was there some of them and yeah 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 yeah. but i haven't really talked to you since so what has the reception been like since that day (laughs) if i were to tell this to 14 year old me they would laugh and say what um (laughs) literally i cannot tell you the reception i've had is amazing and i'm so so grateful for it tara strong praised me Corey burton gave me his full thumbs up on the documentary frank welker loved it and no he did see it okay very good (laughs) when someone asked about it on his website asked him have have you did you work with bill scott he pointed in the direction saying Amber Jones has done a brilliant documentary on Bill Scott. I was like, ah! <laughs> um, uh, so I have, I have Frank's words of appreciation on my wardrobe. You can't really see, but it says what a great job on the documentary, how you've got all the clips, the material information and put it together so beautifully. Oh my, indeed, Bill would be delighted. You've shown yourself to be a very talented young lady and filmmaker and well on your way into the world of arts. My congratulations to you for, for your persistence and your talent. Wonderful stuff, Amber. You're a fan, Frank. Wow. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, 
oh i'm so happy i i i, I cried i physically cried and i hardly cry mm-hmm. at happy moments mm-hmm. so i was like yeah i'm gonna put my hair up um <laughs> so um this is a hair I, show. I don't have much hair to work with but you know, so anyway. <laughs> i was like my hair down here okay that's not bad that's okay. that was a good idea to put my hair up um <laughs> And I think one of the other biggest praises I got was from Oedal Jankovic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what yeah, is, um, I, I think I heard what he said, but repeat it, please. Um, I think he said, I, I remember putting a sort of comment on his wife's Instagram saying, oh, hi, such and such. Um, Suzanne, that's her name. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen it, the documentary. I just wanted to send you it just to see... Um, you know, if, if Al's seen it or not, because I sent it to his agent and never got a response. So he said, hi, Amber. Yes, Jay, Al's agent, forwarded the link and Al watched it, enjoyed it very much and was honoured to be a part of it. <laughs> oh. Well, I was happy you were able to secure him. I mean, some people are just difficult to get. Like, um, you, you know, I've done a book about total television, kind of the antithesis of all this and I heard Tom Hanks is a huge, huge underdog fan. And I tried everything I could, especially during the pandemic, to try to get him to do a forward for my uh, total television scrapbook. And I finally got his offices and um, uh, the secretary person said, you know, well, he's very hard to reach because he's always making movies and he's traveling around the world, but we'll try. And he basically just politely turned me down. And I'm like, you know, it's just a small little forward. Like you actually got Weird Al on camera to actually say a few comments. And uh, you, I actually learned something from because I always thought his rendition of George of the Jungle just took sound clips of Bill Scott from the old, the old version. I didn't know that Bill Scott recorded brand new Tarzan yells, as it were, you know, for lack of no term terminology. George George yells, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just so. picturing um Bill stat Bill with his uh mustache, his glasses, and his grey hair standing next to Weird Al with his long brown crimped hair, glasses, and his accordion. It's just amazing. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they got along famously. It's probably fine, you know, because you know, uh, <laughs> you, you know. You, yeah, well, you know it from your documentary, the, the various characters Bill Scott hung around with over the years. I mean, there's a lot of eccentric people out there uh, in uh, entertainment, especially in the cartoon industry. And it's like, you know, and certainly in voice acting. So, you know, even if he wasn't really aware at the time of Weird Al's career, because it was just kind of starting out, I think that was his third album. Uh, he, he was still probably appreciative that, you know, hey, here's this uh, young guy doing all these cartoon parodies and comic parodies and music parodies and things like that. So, sure, okay. <laughs> I've just remembered. Yeah, I've just remembered. I can't remember it. I think it was on Bob Claster's interview. I heard Bill say at the end he's got a... Re- I don't know when this was recorded. I'm presuming it was early 85. But he's like, I've got a recording session with Weird Al Yankovic um, coming up. And... Uh, you might know about his work. I'll have to go back and listen to that, and then I'll just say to you, "Oh yeah, oh, I should have come. I should have put that in a documentary. That would have explained things a little bit better." <laughs> oh well. Um, no, that's yeah. fine. There's all you know. Whenever you you know, I do tend to do books, but whenever you do something, it's always after the fact you find that one more bit of information. Uh, you know, oh, well. directors <laughs> caught anyone? 
Yes, exactly. Bon- bonus features on the DVD, Blu-ray, uh, 4K, whatever. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, anyway. I, I think, as in, if you wanted to know just out of curiosity about the guests I managed to snag, uh, Frank Welker, I didn't do an interview with him. Um, he was one of the, I think it was, it took a very, it took a long few, good, eight months to get him. Um, to get him to contribute because of how busy he was. Um, Weird Al, that took about two weeks to set up and that was only limited to a 15-minute interview. At the time, I I wanted to talk to him because I was a fan of his music and stuff and I just wanted to know if he had grown up with Rock and Ball and Cool by any chance. I found out in that exact same Zoom call that he did that George the Jungle cover and had met Bill. So that was was a complete, that took me by complete surprise. Mm. And um, Corey Burton, that took a, I'd say a few, I'd say just over a week to set up. Yeah. Um, I expected him to turn me down because he's known for, you know, not giving much interviews. He's a private person. Mm. Um, So, and then I spoke to his agent and then his agent was like, Corey would love to sit down and do an interview. I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, so it's like, because Corey's one of my most favorite voice actors ever. And I respect him so much. I mean, we got on like, <laughs> we got on so well. I mean, we got on so well that we actually still keep in touch. We text each <laughs> other good. now and then. So uh, <laughs> do you think it's a subject matter? Do you think it's because of Rocky and Bullwinkle? Like, if you just said, hey, I need to interview Corey for such and such role or your voiceover you know he might say nah but because yeah <laughs> because it was uh rocky it was, because of, yeah. it was actually because both of us have autism so <laughs> we oh, kind of related to each other. i didn't know that about Corey. so yeah he has a uh, asperger asperger syndrome well, yeah. nowadays they don't they have labels it's all just classed as autism now so yeah but, yeah. you know, I, I have to admit, you know, when I first heard of Corey, you know, it's like, you know, in, in my youth, if I was, I was your age at one point. <laughs> um, I, in fact, I think I was your age when uh, Bill Scott passed away, unfortunately. But, um, oh, no. uh, you know, because, uh, yeah, it was 1985. That was about. Yeah. Was 18, yeah. Anyway, so but and that really. Uh, well, it did piss me off because um, he had never really granted, you know, you're talking about interviews with like uh, Bob Costas or something like that. And yeah, Bob Costas' uh, interview. And it's like, he had never really granted interviews. You know, I was already a Rocky and Bullwinkle fan. And yeah, there was precious little written about Bill Scott. He never seemed to appear anywhere, nothing. And I always kind of thought maybe because Jay Ward finally ended the Captain Crunch thing and the Quaker Oats thing in 1984, and he did do the Gummy Bears thing, that kind of gave him the freedom that, okay, now I can talk. I can finally talk. I'm not contractually obligated to Jay Ward. and He's not stuck under an NDA. My mouth shut or whatever. I can talk. And and because he did that interview with Jim Corcus, he did that when you mentioned, and a few others, you know, just in, he worked with Joe Piscopo. He, you know, it was all in quick succession. <sighs> he did a Hershey's uh, chocolate ad. He did the Weird Al thing, oh, you know. Yeah, so the Hershey's like, chocolate ad was in, his last You know, that last year of his life, he was very, very busy. And, you know, it, you know, like you said, if he only lived, you know, even just 10 years more, you know, it's like he would have been 
the voices through the duration of Gummy Bears, just not the not just the first season. They might have made more Wuzzles episodes, and he would have granted probably more interviews and maybe even written a book or something. And it's like ah, you know. But you kind of remedied that, uh, you know. I praise you, uh, you know, for the great documentary, you know. And it's like if you haven't seen it, where do they find it? Let's just get that out of the way. You can find it on YouTube on my channel, Amber the Fangirl. It's my pinned video that you'll see every time you visit my channel. Um, I have been trying to get it at some film festivals, but a lot of them you have to pay to submit entries to. I tried getting it to Netflix, MeTV. I just want it, I just want it widespread everywhere because I had no luck apart from just on YouTube, which really sucks because Frank Welker emailed me a few months back saying I should try and submit it to Netflix. I should try and get it out there more. I'm like, I've tried. I, they don't accept unsolicited ideas. What do I do? I think yeah. MeTV would have been, been a really good choice, though. So I, I tried, but I failed. I, I'm so. kind of, I'll say I'm really not, but I'm kind of friends with another documentary filmmaker. I'm actually friends with the subject of the film he made. Is uh, oh. this guy named Stu Showstack. And there's a film that is called Stu's Show that's coming out. But that man did a documentary um, a few years back about The Price is Right and um, about this one guy who figured out how to win at The Price is Right and win big because they repeated products and stuff like that. And he was one of those types that memorized, you know, well, they've had this uh, car before and it was a few thousand dollars. It's got to be this price again. And, you know, things like that. It's an interesting documentary. So. I know the man through another person, maybe I can put you like in contact and he can give you tips because he had some difficulties getting his documentary onto Netflix, but he was able to get it onto other platforms. So that might be an avenue. We could talk afterwards online. Yeah, so. that's fine. We're that's fine. <laughs> so um, let me ask you this about now you, now did this movie lead to you doing other things like your voiceover stuff or were you doing that all along anyway i was doing voiceover work before this documentary um okay. my first voiceover role came in january 2020 um i voiced a helicopter coin operated ride you can't really see there but voila it's on my wardrobe it's there um, <laughs> um it's like an orange <laughs> helicopter and it speaks um <laughs> so, um so i recorded my lines for that in november 2019 in my room with my apple headphones in this exact spot so it wasn't wow. professional or anything like that um now, so i did I that heard it, did you use your natural voice or were you putting on a cartoon voice i used my natural voice i just wanted they didn't want any cheesy american voice they just wanted <laughs> <laughs> They just they just wanted uh, my normal accent because they just love my uh, normal voice. So I would say things like "Helly to Tower, come in Tower, up up and away, Rotor Power, <laughs> Helly to the rescue." I never realised that. Now I will, I love doing impressions and just doing that. I think I sound exactly like the ride. But wait, that's me on the ride. That's my voice. I could do a good impression of my voice. I'm like yes. <laughs> Do the helicopter voice it's so weird because that's what people are going to be asking me in a few years saying can you still do the helicopter voice i'm like i can yeah <laughs> so it's so weird <gasps> wow <laughs> i just suddenly realized everything now <laughs> so um uh, so prior to that i mean were you trying you said 
you wanted to be that first. But anyway, how did you get into wanting to be a voice over actress? What was your earliest memory of that? How old were you then? Well, I love cartoons. I've loved them ever since I was a little kid. I'd watch Boomerang and um, Top Cat and Tom and Jerry and Wacky Races and stuff like that. So I'd watch them and I'd think... I kind of want to do that as well because, like, I got I could do silly voices as a kid. I could do different accents. I I love to mimic people, mimic the teachers at school. Found out, I'm not very happy. Um, so um, I did. I know I'm saying I'm a lot. I do apologize. I know it's annoying. Um, <laughs> okay, so I did a lot of acting classes I did I think I did a theatre school when I was 10 mm. I studied drama at my old high school they didn't do drama at my last high school so I couldn't study for that at all and then I got onto a performing arts course at college in 2020 just when the pandemic was happening but as in getting into voice acting I was a, f- a big fan of voice acting I would look at the credits I'd look at all these voice actors and I think oh well I'm just gonna type to them and say how much I love them um <laughs> I need to take a shot every time I see um so I sort of get started getting into the habit of maybe doing a few projects, a few voiceovers on my channel. And then the opportunity came, I think, just after I met Tara Strong in London. And they asked me, would you like to be the voice of a helicopter ride? And obviously the pandemic happened and only two models of that ride were made. There's one in Leeds and there's one in Iceland. Um, wow. So that, I was surprised because there was meant to be about 100 models shipped all over Australia, America, everywhere. So, Well, you never know. There might be a, ch- a chance again since things are opening up unless it's kind of run its course. But oh, no, it's now, run its course. Now, yeah. now I'm, I'm getting this uh, initial job. Were you sending out like... I mean, I'm I'm so old school. I know the old you send out demo tapes through the mail and stuff like that. But I mean, how do you how do you do it now to get discovered? Um, you know, just direct people to a YouTube page or what do you do? Um, well, back then I was friends with the managing director, technical director of technical manager, should I say, of the company at the time. Um, okay. So. Um, I can't remember this other guy's role. I think he was the head designer. I could be wrong. Okay. Well, his name was Gareth. Um, so Gareth messages me. He's like, oh, yeah, we're looking for a, um, we're doing a new ride, this release in an EAG, which is an amusement arcade machine expedition that happens at the XL every January. So he was like to me, oh, yeah, we'll look uh, Do you want to be the voice of our new ride? I'm like, Yes. So he sent me all this concept nah. art and stuff. I was like, I was like, nah, of course I do. Um, it was a dream come true because as a kid, I hated rides. I'm not hated. I was scared of them. Then I started filming them for YouTube, got extremely popular, over 7 million views. Um, and then I'm now the voice of one of them. So I think it's really cool how it's come as a full circle. Um, so I went to London to see it unveiled. And then... Well, March 2020, I know this is unrelated, but this kind of relates into the story of the Bill Scott documentary. Um, so I was there, uh, short, blue-haired me. I was on top of the world. I just met two of my best friends near London for my 16th, my sweet 16th. Um, and I was just on top of the world. 
Mm. Um, I need to stop saying that. I'm so sorry. I need to. It just comes naturally because you're thinking of what to say. I'll just go uh instead. It's easier that way. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, okay, okay. Deep breaths. Deep breaths. Deep breaths. In March, I went to Liverpool Comic Con. Mm-hmm. And I met Frank Welk and Peter Cullen, who were doing their first UK appearance. Oh, wow. Okay. And that, I think around that, I think, yeah, September 2019, I started to make the idea of a Bill Scott documentary. That's because that's when I first contacted Bill's daughter, Barbara, and she gave me her full permission to do it. I went to Liverpool. I spoke with Frank and I asked him about Bill Scott. And I said, well, I'm thinking of making a documentary on him. Would you be interested in contributing? And he was like, oh, yeah, you'll have to contact my agent and stuff like that. And that him got his autograph. He was really nice. I wish I got a photo with him now. So obviously, like a week later, week or two later, the UK went into full lockdown because of COVID-19. I was like, oh, dear. (laughs) So that pretty much closed everywhere in the world. Um, So, you know, no one could do anything. No one could go out and record and stuff like that. So I was like, what am I going to do for these next few months? I know, let's make that documentary. So I started typing a script and writing up to people. Oh, yeah, I'm doing a Bill Scott documentary, doing a Bill Scott documentary. I'm doing a Bill Scott documentary. Do you want to contribute and stuff? And it was easier because everyone was at home and they could do interviews from home. They weren't even that busy. So it was easy to get a hold of people back then. So obviously spoke to, I think... Katie Lee was the first person I interviewed, and then it was followed by Corey Burton. Um, yeah, that was. I just wanted. I just want to go back to that time. To be fair, because I had a six-hour call with. Corey that was too. the ben- benefit. It did help me get people for this podcast. You know, there's a while there. I was like, um, I was booked with uh, like three months ahead, and I was like, <laughs> I was just jamming them out like every day like hello we're on the fun ideas podcast hello like after two weeks i'm like all right i've talked to so many people but then i could take a long break because i had enough shows since i only put them off weekly uh that um i go i got shows for the next three months okay (laughs) um so you know is i will say this uh you know, again, doing the documentary and also being a voiceover talent. Those are two things I wanted to do. And I'm like so jealous. But anyway, uh, but you have so many opportunities nowadays that I didn't have then, you know, it's like in the 70s, you know, it's like, how do you contact someone? No, you write a letter and mail it through the mail. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, and I know stories of like how, like, say, Nancy Cartwright from the Simpsons, you know, got uh, under Dawes Butler's wing and stuff like that. So she became a voice. But it still took a lot of time. It seems like nowadays you can do things almost instantly. Um, and if you wanted to shoot a video like we're doing it live right now, back in the old days, Super 8 camera film costs money how do you do that you know you have to get developed blah 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 but (laughs) so um the i guess the upshot is i did take some voiceover lessons way back when uh and did enough to kind of not want to do it (laughs) but it might be different now i mean i would love to do a voiceover i just didn't what turned me off at the time is i actually talked to lucille bliss who you probably know from smurfs and crusader rabbit and other things um and uh uh she worked with june foray many times and things like that too um 
she and another voiceover lady that I was working with, uh, and we're talking 30 years ago, was saying, oh, to get into voiceover, you have to kind of bribe your way in and bake cakes and cookies and things like that. It's like, I'm not into that. I just want to get a job, you know. And um, unfortunately, my career went a zillion other directions. And so I never officially have done a voiceover thing, but I'd love to do one, you know, at some point. But this is kind of a compensation. Never too late stop. It's, never yeah, but this stop. is like a compensation. I could do all the voices I want on my own podcast. So, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, and if I get discovered, I do. If I don't, well, I still got to do the voices. So there. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, I, I like you was like into Rocky and Bullwinkle around. I, I, I knew about it when I was a little kid, but I didn't get into it probably officially until I was like 12. Because as a little kid, the, a lot of the humor was a little sophisticated. I mean, I liked the moose and I liked the squirrel characters, but I never understood what was going on. And I've said this many times. I didn't know that each segment was actually part of a, a larger story. I just thought you kind of join these characters in the middle of a story and then they'd say join us again next time for blah 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 and blah 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 and the next time it would be a different story because i didn't watch completely regularly and of course a week or two would pass because i'd forget to watch or whatever wasn't on video and uh so i just thought oh there's just little isolated incidents and then in when i was 12 a local tv station said we're going to air them every day of the week and in chronological order with complete story and i go oh really there's a real story and then i found the moon fuel story the box top story all those different ones and i go oh these are incredible it actually makes a big story arc i, I love this and by that time i was more appreciative of the voices because of um i i'd gotten into stan freeberg records june foray and dawes butler worked with stan freeberg a lot and you probably know him too and uh, different things like that so of course i do <laughs> uh, <laughs> now um i since you mentioned liverpool comic convention i'm just curious you've only been to conventions i think you said it says somewhere that you went to wales comic con too um You've probably never been to any American comic conventions, right? So, but I'm just curious. Ex describe a, a Welsh or a uh, Liverpudlian comic convention, and I'm just curious if they're similar to American ones or you do things completely differently. Like, what would you see if you went to one? <laughs> um, well, one thing I would like to point out is that there isn't a lot of voice actors, which is a downside in my opinion. Um, Liverpool only really gets about four or five, whereas Fanex and Salt Lake gets like 20. Like, yeah. I mean, we've never had Rob Paulson do a... In, the closest he's done is Dublin Comic Con. He hasn't done any any ones in England, so I've, I haven't been able to meet him or anything like that. I know Frank Welker's done one, Tara Strong's done one. Uh, Tres McNeil, McNeil hasn't done one. I know Billy West has done a few, yeah. Steve Bloom, I think he did MCM Birmingham just before the pandemic. Um, I suppose they focus a lot more on TV and film stars. Um, and it's really just like they have, I think they have more traders than guests, really. I mean, Liverpool tends to get about 40 guests, I suppose. And then Wales gets around the same. Well, contrary to popular belief, it's not 
specifically Wales Comic Con. It was at Wrexham University and it's only just moved to Telford, which is in Shropshire in England. So (laughs) Telford's not in Wales, for those wondering. (laughs) So they just call it Wales Comic Con Telford Takeover. Okay. I just read it, so I had no idea where it was located. Oh, no, it's fine. Assumed Wales, but, you know, who who knew? It's on the border to Wales. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, it's more... So do you have the same type of thing we have here? I guess this was I'm driving at is like vendors with uh rows and rows of boxes of com- old comic books and things or is it more like like you're saying more celebrities and more voiceover actors and things like that showing up well to be fair the vendors they sell like custom things it's hard to describe but they could sell okay. posters or badges or toys it's really okay. just they sell anything there's even one that had like okay. japanese food on it and I bought a bit of some Pocky. Um, not sure you heard the little sticks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, bought some of them. Those. The lime banana pudding. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I've had that flavor, but yeah. It's so nice. It's so <laughs> lovely. Um, Strawberry and chocolate, maybe. So, <laughs> yeah, it tends, it tends to range from clothing to handmade, okay. independent businesses. And they do have you. conventions like that here, too. But, I mean, traditionally, in the old days, you know, the, the traditional comic conventions were total comic books and you know old ones but i don't know you know if there's like a collector's market for such things over in europe as much as or england or uk as much as here you know yeah there is yeah because um tf nation which is a transformers convention that's more toy base than celebrity base all photos there autographs are free because mainly people just go for the toys because obviously a lot of people collect transformers but i'm only really going there for the guests because i Mm. don't collect transformers well i i have four transformers i have a cup a perceptor a pipes and a jazz but i yes. don't collect them and i hardly transform them because it annoys me <laughs> well you have four more than i have because they came out originally when i was like in my teens and i was like yeah that was, i wish these came out when i was like five you know, you know it's like when i was in my teens the transformers and gobots came out and i go these are really cool but i can't collect this stuff you know and so you know um i guess i could but you know, I, have, I collect everything else so anyway so i, I was just kind of curious about how conventions work and now uh do you get um any british based voice actors i mean all the ones you're mentioning are like american based are those ones you you tend to follow so you don't care about uh anybody who is voicing for like an ardman film or anything like that or you know anything well like that. a lot of people who do the ardman films are celebrity celebrities not voice actors so if you've got well i know peter salas is no longer here he was wallace but he was he was more known did for he doing show tele- up at television. these type of shows or no uh, um, what type of show? Sorry. Would he show up at this? Oh type no, no, oh, I don't believe okay. so. Well, no. then that um, explains that. So okay. Yeah, because he was known for doing uh, Last of the Summer Wine, which is right. a British sick. Uh... A British <laughs> sick show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm a, a British. <laughs> <laughs> because of the shim british it's a it was a british sitcom sitcom yes <laughs> it actually please made don't its call, way, please don't it actually made its way, <laughs> it actually made its way over here um although i'll have to admit when when last of the summer wine first came over to america i was like i don't get it you know because it's very british compared to say like Monty Python or even, you know, other things that are a little more accessible to Americans. But over time, I grew to like it, you know, you know of course it was on for 30 something years, right? Yeah, so, yeah. You know, it's crazy. I this house a, was in all the seasons. 
And then the other two got replaced, but Peter, he just stayed on till the end. Right, that's true. All the other people were replaced and everything. I have a, a imported magazine, which it wouldn't be an import from there, but <laughs> it's on my shelf over there, of Last of the Summer Wine, and it kind of explained oh. all the cast changes and everything because, you know, I just kind of watched it randomly when I'd see it on TV, you know, not chronologically. And so I'm like, you know, well, it's Peter and two other guys. Oh, this is the guy Captain Peacock from Are You Being Served is on here now. Okay, yeah. all right. Oh, oh it's like you know. it Frank Thornton. Yeah, I think yeah, Frank Thornton. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. he did some voice acting too at some point too. Yeah, the- he was in the uh, Costco Paul BFG hmm. movie. Yeah, okay. I know. I think um, as you said before, sorry, British voice actors. Um, there was only one at a. Actually, no, no, two. There was two. There was Mark Ryan, who was Bumblebee in the first Transformers film, 2007. Um, And he's been in a few of the Michael Bay Transformers films as miscellaneous characters. Uh, And then Mark Silk, um, who's a British voice actor. He's known for doing a lot of British kids shows over here. I think he's done Peep in the Flower Tots or in the Racing Car. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you've got other people like Lizzie Waterworth and David Hull and Emma Tate um those i don't think they do conventions they're not Mm. known for doing that i mean over here back in the day we didn't get a lot of um well yeah i suppose we did get a a few british made cartoons for like the bbc but Mm. they obviously use the same voice actors they tend to use david holt emma tate janet james maria darling Mm. um so they they kind of reuse the same um actors or we just get american cartoons from America and Dublin with the same actors. Nowadays, you either get actual kids doing the voices or you get British celebrities. Like you could have, I don't know, Benedict Cumberbatch or Catherine Tate doing it or Olivia Coleman doing it mm. as a main character. Okay. Um, so it kind of varies like that. And I think we still get a few British made shows, but I think some of them are just imported from other countries and dubbed, yeah. really. So they're not as, we don't have. We don't have a Disney of the UK. Well, I suppose we had a Hanna-Barbera of the UK back in the day, and that was Cosgrove Hall. They made Danger Mouse, Count Duckula, that BFG film I mentioned, oh, yeah. Yeah. many others. They're one of my favourite animation companies ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, they, they were just really cool. And, obviously, they had, like, their own Hanna-Barbera mainstays. They had Cosgrove Hall mainstays. You had Rob Rackstraw, Jimmy Hibbert, David Jason, Um yeah, it was just, it was magical. It was amazing. Okay. It was, but, but I think you are correct is that tend to pick, a, but they do that here too. They tend to print the actors that are established actors nowadays, as opposed to someone specifically doing voiceovers, which sometimes I think is a shame because, you know, they'll pick somebody and they'll say, hey, we got so and so celebrity to do a voiceover role and he or she does not have a very distinctive voice and it's like why would you pick this person i mean (laughs) like um if you're going to pick somebody i I like it when you can watch a movie and uh for example um i I think it's one of the pixar ones one of the recent ones if i'm it might be a disney one forgive me i forget which movie it's one i think it's onward but it might be one of the other ones um uh graham norton did a voice and i go hey that's graham norton. oh yeah that's the, soul. The TV soul, host. That yes. soul that's right okay so yeah i knew it was one of those but they all become a blur about who was in what and everything i don't know is it in canto i don't know <laughs> it's like anyway but um i like it when i'm able to pick out a voice and i go hey i recognize that voice but when it's somebody it's like 
hmm who is this is that renee zellweger no 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 uh is it uh you know and the, their voices are distinctive enough uh until you look oh that's who this person is and it's like okay you know i i gone are the days of like the people like what we're talking about the mel blanks this bill scotts and everything they could do really distinctive and different voices i mean uh, I was going to say this about Bill Scott, which always amazed me when I discovered it. You know, his natural speaking voice, Bill Scott's natural speaking voice is more like Mr. Peabody, but he can do bullwinkle, which sounds completely different, you know, and uh, but I didn't know it was the same guy doing it. I go, wait a minute, the guy who does bullwinkle does Mr. Peabody? That can't be the same guy. It doesn't even sound the same person at all. Now I can uh, now I can tell the difference or tell the similarities or whatever. But you know, when I first, it just blew my mind. I was like, oh. <laughs> anyway. So, um, back to your voiceover thing. <laughs> um, so you did the helicopter, but it's you say or said or it's said on. Uh, I think it's on your Facebook. You are going to be voicing. Prestella the rabbit for kooky trails in Riverside, California. Yeah, tell me how that came about, or it's coming up, or what's what's the story on that? <laughs> well, I was recommended to the producers, I guess you could call them producers, directors, creators, um, by a mutual friend, Steph. Um, so they introduced me um, to. Sorry, I'll have to cut that bit out. I've kind of just stumbled on my That's words. Okay. That's okay. Do you tend to cut stuff out in this interview? No. <laughs> oh. Unless I have technical difficulties. No, keep going. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> I can. Take you I can. We can talk afterwards. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Okay. Um, so my friend Steph, she recommended me to this guy called Max, who's making a theme park ride uh, called Kooky Trails. It's a dark ride. I don't really know the plot of it. And even if I did, I wouldn't be able to say because I signed an NDA for it. Um, <laughs> So um, the audition the process thing. was simple. I went on a Zoom call. No, it was Discord, excuse me. Um, and they said, oh, yeah, I want you to audition for these two characters. There's uh, character one, character two. Um, so I did them and they said, well, there's this extra character we want you to audition for. It's, he's got a British accent. And, yeah, we just want you to try out. So they gave me a few pointers and I did a voice and I sort of did a voice like that, sort of like Wendy Darling from Peter Pan, sort of like that. If you have background oh, okay. noises, it's my brother being annoying. So, you know. Uh, <laughs> so, and they were like to me, well, the plot, the plot twist is no one else has auditioned for Prestella. So congratulations, you got the role. I'm like, what oh, oh thank you <laughs> so that's how I got that um they are currently deciding the voices for the other two characters I believe I'm not one of the callbacks for character one I'm one of the callback finalists for the other characters so I'll see how that goes and I can oh, so like a second well. character okay that's yeah cool. yeah no so, uh, can you do a bit of it? You said it was like Wendy Darling. Yeah, sort <laughs> of like Wendy here. Darling from Peter Pan. Um, sort <laughs> of. So she sort of talks in a bit like that. She sort of like properly pronounces most of her things. I've just noticed my door is open. Oh man, I don't even. Know. I swear I closed that door. I swear I closed my door when I started this interview. Unless I'm just going potty. I don't know. <laughs> well, if you want to close it now, go ahead. <laughs> uh, get... I could. I could. Uh, I could. All right. All right. I could. Hey, yeah. I, I interviewed the guy from 
I, I interviewed the guy from Paul Revere and the Raiders, and he just said, hold on. <laughs> Come on back. Anyway, <laughs> I interviewed the guy from Paul Revere and the Raiders, and he wanted to talk to me about something. And he goes, let me get the record. And he just left the room for, I'm like, I'm just sitting here. I'm like, okay. And so I filled in and I go, make sure to buy his record. So, you know, make sure to listen to uh, Amber Jones, except I don't know where to send you at this point uh, to the website to watch Bill Scott documentary. Okay. Let's go further. Um, so what is Riverside? Are you, uh, it, it sounded like, unless I'm wrong, you're, you're planning or going to have a uh, trip to America here. To record this, so you're not, uh, not most likely not to record. Probably oh, only okay. just to see the ride once it's been built. By the way, oh, that's okay. the has the Amber Jones you don't see me closing the door, me talking to people outside, me telling people to shut up in the other rooms and stuff. I really need my own sample. <laughs> that's the real Amber Jones we wanted. Yeah, day. that's <laughs> uh, yeah. Bed. I'm just too embarrassed to show my real self online. Uh, I have it. Um, as for the trip to America, yes, um, I am planning on going there once once the ride has been finished and completely built okay. to see what it's like. Um, as for line recording, I don't think I'm recording it in America. I'm recording it here in England. Um, okay, but it I wouldn't be at your actually. desk here like that other ride. It would probably be a little no. in a recording studio. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Most hey, likely. you're moving on up. All right. <laughs> uh, do you know where it's that a big upgrade? Be? Uh, would that be like in London or it would it be locally to where you are? I found a good local one nearby, so I'll probably go to there. So oh, okay. there is that. Um, and I'm hoping to meet a lot of my American friends when I come to America as well, because I'll obviously be in the California area, Riverside being a district. It has no set theme park at the moment. It's really just so if, say, Six Flags wants to buy the ideas for the ride, they'll just get everything from the ride and then take it to there or something like that. So I don't know where exactly it's going, but it's being built. The prototype is in Riverside, California. So oh, the ride is in Riverside, but it may yes. not stay there so it could go literally anywhere it's not at any theme park at the moment it's just i have okay. no clue where it is <laughs> oh okay yeah and that that confused me too because riverside's in the middle of the desert which is not saying that's a problem because they build theme parks anywhere nowadays it seems like but <laughs> um, but um i don't know if you've seen this this is a total aside but this is a documentary um uh called closed due to storm and it was um, it was a Six Flags park that didn't originally start that. It was in New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, but Six Flags took it over. And when Hurricane Katrina happened uh, way back when, uh, they put on their marquee, closed due to storm. And that became the title of the film. Unfortunately, the uh, theme park never reopened after that. So it's been just this desert ghost town, as it were, for 15 years and kind of an eyesore now. Fascinating documentary if you can look it up. Um, but uh, and they still to this day don't know what to do with it. It's just a abandoned theme park. So hopefully your ride doesn't end up there. I guess that's my tie into all that. But it was a Six Flags park, you know. And uh, so that okay, so that makes sense. You, they're building it in Riverside, but it could be shipped literally anywhere. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm asking you this stuff because all I see coming to America and I go, oh. Are you recording the lines in Riverside? And you're gonna, <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty sure like it's odd, too expensive because Riverside's like in the middle of the desert. I mean, there is town there now, but you know, in back in the day, that was like literally nothing there. You know? But anyway, so 
Um, let's see. Do, do, do. I've asked you quite a few things here. Uh, do, 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 do. Well, I'll just ask this before there's a couple other topics I wanted to touch upon, but um, I know you have aspirations to continue on doing this type of work, but do you have any current prospects at this time? If you can't disclose anything, that's fine. But I mean, uh, it, is this seemingly like a natural career path that, you know, each one of these things is leading to something? Do you think at this point? Well, to be fair, that documentary was a bit time consuming for me, even though it was during the pandemic. So yeah. probably not another documentary. No, 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 no I'm not talking about documentary. I'm talking about the voice. I'm talking about the voice. Oh, right. Yeah, I see. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I would think you were. But I will ask you about that, too. But anyway, but the voiceover work, uh, does that seem like there's uh, future projects that you may or may not be able to disclose at this time that are kind of possibly happening uh, based on what you've already done? I just get the projects as they come at me. I have no other future ones apart from Kooky Trails. So I really just depends on what I get in the future, to be fair. Okay. I'm happy to do anything. All right. I'm open well. for work. <laughs> Hire this lady right here. <laughs> anyway, but um, but yeah, you already mentioned it. So no other documentaries in the planning. Or would you, if you could, let's say you had oodles of time, oodles of money, oodles of uh, connections and prospects. Is there like a dream project that you would like to work on if you did a second documentary on anything? I'd love to do a Frank Welker one. Oh, wow. That actually would be a good idea, you know, um, because was he voiced over for like 55 years or something longer? Yeah. You know, and it's like, he's not going to be around forever, but yeah. Um, I you, you said you met him, right? Um, I did. Actually, how, how, how was he in person? Because He was, you've heard what, sorry? I've heard he's kind of a difficult person to be, be with, but it might be on a professional level. I don't know. <laughs> well, he's really sweet when you meet him in person. And I met him over video chat um, through GalaxyCon. And he's just so sweet. He recognizes me every single time. Okay. And he's just so sweet and stuff. I remember the last time we spoke, he was like, I just wanted to tell you how impressed I am with your Bill Scott documentary. That was just amazing. I was like, ah. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, what was I? I completely forgot. What was, oh yeah, Frank Welker documentary won't be possible. I've asked Frank directly, and he's oh, <laughs> but in an alternative universe, yes, I would hope to be one. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a Frank Welker documentary without Frank in it. <laughs> it's like everyone. He, he doesn't want me to make one at all. <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah, you know, I guess I that's where I'm equating as being difficult, just because you know he doesn't seemed to like to toot his own horn and i'm sure because he's been you know associated with say like scooby-doo forever uh you know everybody kind of wants things from him so i can understand him being kind of private and standoffish to most requests and things like that but uh it's too bad he'd say no to you because it seems like you know especially since he gave high marks to your bill scott one that he would like uh give you a special <laughs> dispensation or something like that. Well, he did say he's turned down everyone else, so it's nothing personal. But I know Warner Brothers did a mini documentary on him 20 minutes long because of something he's not telling me. I don't know. Well, that's, well Warner Brothers, they're, they're, the, they're the big cheese. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. <laughs> so well, it's like also, in a case like that, they might be paying him a big amount and you say, all right, for a big amount of money and you want me to talk about myself for 20 minutes? Okay. That's why he owns yeah. a Beechcraft yeah. Bonanza and a big mansion with his own golf course and his own private cinema and stuff yeah, like that yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Strang- strangely enough, if I was to uh, to view a Frank Welker documentary, I'd be more curious uh, about his non voiceover roles just because he did a few you know on screen acting appearances not not in recent years and just kind of curious about why he didn't keep that up i know like june foray said in some interview way back in the 80s she says my last screen appearance is on green acres and she played a hispanic uh, switchboard operator and i don't know if you've ever heard this story before and uh she had a heavy you know accent you know oh mister douglas you know like that that type of deal but she said you know i i just got tired of getting dressed up and wearing the makeup and coming down to be filmed and everything whereas on the voiceover i can just walk in with my hair and curlers or whatever and just and just do it you know and it's like okay i can see why people stop doing the 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 on-screen acting roles when they can just you know uh, do it over the a microphone and stuff like that you know so uh as far as i know i think june foray did keep that pledge she did make a couple cameo appearances as herself in other movies but never as an acting role again after that but you know anyway so welker's kind of the same way i think after scooby-doo took off you know i think he made a couple more disney films and i think that was pretty much it so you know <laughs> So. Yeah, I haven't seen him do stand up for a good few years actually. And I oh yeah, he, he did, did a stand up open... album somewhere along the line too. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and wow, um, I don't remember, but he did. I, well, I think there was a Christmas song on it, if I remember correctly. He did a lot of impersonations, and it was pretty good. You know, but um, it's anyway. called "Almost Sold Out," released in yes. nineteen eighty-eight. That's right. And I think the album cover, if you have it up in front of you, is like him standing on an empty state or I mean, empty audience. And he's standing behind the mic. If I if I remember correctly, <laughs> I haven't looked at it in a while. I just looked. I never realized that was him on the stage. Yeah, that's him <laughs> on the stage behind a mic. But there's no way wow. in the audience. So there might be like one or two, you know, if I remember correctly. It's been a while since I looked at the album cover. I, I can photoshop <laughs> up onto it. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I was like, I could photoshop myself once you. I could do a really good. I could do uh, the, Photoshop is like my profession. I do a lot of edits and stuff like that. So, no. but you put yourself in the audience. <laughs> uh, I, just, I want to be one of those people in the audience. Come on, man! Like I've I've met the, I've met the guy virtually like a few times, and I'm meeting him again in Edinburgh this October. Finally, hopefully it's not cancelled, but I miss mm-hmm. him. I miss him. I miss him. I miss him. Man. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah. I hope he does hugs because I just want to hug him so much when I get there. You know, I just don't want to go there and they're like, oh no, hug, no hugs. I'm like, I planned this for five months. Don't do this to me. <laughs> yeah, but hooray. Yeah, hooray for Frank Wilk. <laughs> yeah, this um, is me. This is me. Don't change who I am. Oh, where's the Zoom gone? There you go. <laughs> Now, what, um, I haven't actually met her in person. She is a Facebook friend. She was actually in the audience, but we didn't really talk. But uh, what's Tara Strong like? Tara Strong, she voice directed me for a project. Oh, yeah, that's another thing, another project oh. I'm doing I can't say about, but she voice directed oh. me for something. Um, oh, we talk a lot. She's really sweet. And, uh, yeah, she's um, she's like my, my mentor, my other big sister, because I already have a big sister um, <laughs> in her 30s. Um, so, yeah, Tara's like my second big sister. She's so, so, so kind to me, and she always has been since we met. And she's just been so supportive of me in my work. And she found out like like the hour before 
I was doing the premiere of the Bill Scott documentary. She rushed home from a recording session just to be there. <laughs> I, I think like, I remember that. I think she was all uh, hot and sweaty, as it were, because it was like, you know, she had literally yeah. rushed. You and, know, then, so and then, she had, then she had to bail out halfway through. I found out the real reason why she kind of bailed out and she, we didn't see her again after part two is because she had a family issue that she had to go sort out and she just... I think she thought she was only going to be gone a few minutes and she ended up going for like an hour. Oh, okay. That's well, it was getting pretty late. I mean, I stayed with you to the end, but it's like, yeah, I, you know, we're both on the West Coast here in America. You I know. support you, Mark. <laughs> Good, Mark. Of, course you, of course, you were in the middle of the night. I mean, I think you were like a two or three Yeah, it was sunrise. But you had planned to stay up all night. Sunrise out there. <laughs> but yeah, it was literally so nice outside my bedroom window. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I see yeah, the light. Yeah. I see, I see the Meanwhile, light. I'm going. <laughs> this is a great <laughs> documentary. That's one reason I want to watch it again, just because I want to see it in one big piece. Because we took a big and it's been break improved. in the middle, you know, for a you know intermission, and it's like and it's, <laughs> it's been improved. I took into mind everyone, what everyone. Oh, you made changes to it, though. Okay, another reason to see it. So, if you've seen it before, when did you change it? At the time, or I changed it after? after the premiere. So, okay. Okay. it's pretty much the uh, the very early rough cut that the uh, that everyone at the Zoom premiere saw. Because there was a lot of errors and stuff like that. I didn't definitely going to watch it again. Okay, so because you know. I want to see what you've done with it. <laughs> don't, be a, don't be a George Lucas. Don't keep changing it. You know, it's like you got. I won't. It's all right. It I'm, I'm changing it. Let since. it go. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Um, what I found really special about that premiere is because I think that was the last time I spoke to Will Ryan virtually. Right. right. Um, yeah, he. The last email he said, "Hello, I'll be your little document. Are you? I hope you. It didn't stay up too late." And I was like. <laughs> <laughs> And I didn't know it then, but back then he was battling cancer and his health was getting progressively and progressively bad. Yeah. And he eventually, he died about two or three months later. Yeah. Um, I think I had heard I'm, winds of it, but it was very hush-hush. It was very quiet. Uh, it was Jerry Beck later that, uh, are you familiar with Jerry Beck? Uh, the, okay, good. Uh, he revealed It was Jim Magon who told me that. Uh, he revealed was... it later because he was a close friend with him too. And, uh, you know, that, you know, he was keeping it very private and everything during that time. So, you know, yeah. it, was a, it was a little bit of a shock. So, you know, because I didn't know how bad it was. So, you know, but, and I had yeah. forgotten he was there. So, you know. Um, so. I'm so glad he got to see it before he died. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, our old friend, Buddy, which actually allowed me to have him on my podcast afterwards, Keith Scott, a great guy. And we had to coordinate like you and I had to coordinate. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, you know, but the opposite direction, you know, he's in Australia. And so it's like I had to uh, catch him, like him getting up in the morning and I was in the evening, you know, just to get in the right the right time slot you know yeah we, we made it work and you know he was an incredible interview too and you know he'll give he'll give you any voice you want to and any story it's like i imitated this person oh, i imitated this person and he'll just do it and it's like you know because some, i know some some people if you tell them you know it's like can you do can you do a bullwinkle? Mm, you have to pay me money first, you know, or something. And he'll, he'll just do it all, you know, like that. Bill <laughs> would just say no. <laughs> like he said, some of the, some, some people who knew him said to me, oh yeah, well, I was a little kid and Bill Scott lived on my street and I said, could you do the bullwinkle voice? And he just goes to them and goes, no. You know, no. Bullwinkle's voice and walks off. <laughs> 
but yeah he was really nice he he uh, uh, like his kids schools and stuff at events there and at church he would sometimes do his voices and but I heard a, a lovely story where this disabled girl came into his church and he did the Dudley voice for her and she started crying mm. I was like <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh that was really sweet was this one Keith scott or bill scott bill scott bill scott okay <laughs> all right because we're talking about both so i want to make sure we're talking about the right person yeah, so that was the story yeah. with bill okay very good uh, <laughs> but uh, and and that's one thing that kind of uh freaked me out when i first heard about Keith scott you know it's like they're not related but then scott is like my last name everybody has it seems like so yeah. or your last name even everybody has a, a name jones you know i'm very- not amber scott sometimes <laughs> yeah. wish i was but it's just <laughs> yeah uh, cool if, I if i was related to bill that would have been a really big plot twist <laughs> i'd just go at the end of the premiere oh by the way i am related to bill so yeah I- <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting yes <laughs> but um well the last topic and i don't want to uh end there if we have other things but you know you did mention on the various things and i wanted to ask you about this and uh, you know i wanted to approach it delicately but you know april is autism awareness month and um you've mentioned before you are and you've at the start of the show um how did you find out you were and uh the, the reason why is when i was a kid I hate to say, you know, they never said the word autism really didn't exist. We're talking about the 1970s. And, you know, they used, you know, wonderful, colorful words like retarded and mentally disabled and stuff like that. But it's not really the same thing. Um, So when growing up, what was your experiences and how did it lead you to the way, you know, because you seem basically perfectly normal to me here. I mean, you go off on little tangents, but then so do I. So I don't know. <laughs> so I get that um, a lot. If, if you're not too uncomfortable talking about it, you know, it's like, uh, you know, tell us a little bit of your story on that and what we should do during this appreciative month. <laughs> no, I'm not uncomfortable with talking about it at all. I, okay. I love talking about it. Um, uh, I was diagnosed at the age of four. Was it four? Was it three? No, it was four. Definitely four. Um, <laughs> so uh, I was um, at the time, I obviously didn't know what autism was because I was too young to fully understand the whole thing. Um, my parents, no, they understood because I have a younger brother who's um, sort of nonverbal. He communicates through echolalia, but he's more, he's taller than me and it's scary. And he's like a year younger than me. So my parents have to deal with kind of like, I used to say both sides of the spectrum because I'm high functioning, he's low functioning. But as I, as I said, we don't, people don't refer it to that as anyone. They just refer it to as autism. But I kind of still prefer it to be called like Asperger's and high and low functioning because I say, oh, me and my brother are autistic. And they say, yeah, no, your brother's autistic. But what about you? I'm like, <laughs> you're not. <laughs> no. I'm like, oh, please, no, don't, don't get me, don't get me started. So, um, Obviously, when I got older, I started to know a little bit more about autism. Mm. Um, I discovered a lot of things I never thought I would discover, which is really cool. Like, I, when I found out that Billy West and Corey Burton were autistic, I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> my favorite. I didn't know that either. So, yeah, but I'm not necessarily seeking it out. I mean, I'm not oh, like, yeah. uh, I've got my autism checklist. This person is, you know, like it doesn't matter to me, but I'm just kind of curious about it because, like I said, uh, when I was a kid and even when they were kids, I don't think they were told till later years i'm sure because like i said it wasn't a a word in the vocabulary so um 
So what what did it what were the signs? What did it mean? What did they tell you at age four? What were you doing that uh, gave you that basic label, as it were? So, <sighs> well, I would repeat things from cartoons and kids shows and well, tv shows that. and stuff Maybe like I'm quotes and stuff it's echolalia it's basically <laughs> you communicate through that um i it was i found it very hard to socialize i had bad anxiety i was very shy um and i felt mainly uncomfortable not not uncomfortable no comfortable with really playing on my own even though i wanted to I, I wanted to like have friends and stuff but you know it was just it was just easier for me to be on my own and you know sometimes i just create these little worlds and stuff and i'd you know just have extreme thoughts and a big imagination and stuff so obviously I as a little kid just thought I was weird but that's not the case um I was I still am I still am autistic um so as I got older I started getting bullied for being weird essentially Mm. um and what's even funnier is that my old school now has just started celebrating autism oh I call it autism acceptance month or autism appreciation month because awareness everyone knows what autism is everyone's and there's not a lot not one person on the planet who doesn't know about autism so um they just started celebrating autism acceptance month as soon as I left I'm like you didn't even give me any support. You, you didn't give me any support when I was at that school. So what's the point in you celebrating it? Being two-faced, it, 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 it infuriated me. It really did infuriate me. Um, so high school, I was severely bullied. I was pulled out. You know, I went to a, um, a school tailored to people with mental health problems. And then I did that. Got to college and so easy to make friends at college I cannot tell you how easy it was everyone accepted for who you are everyone liked you no matter if you love kids shows or cartoons or video games or whatever or if even if I just rambled on about voice actors they'd still be my friend which is really helpful (laughs) yeah now um over the course of like I guess four, four so fourteen years, okay. Uh, uh, over the course of the past fourteen years, do you notice a change in your behavior of how you dealt with different things, or do the same things trigger you off, or do you do the same things, or have you grown or changed over time? I feel like I've grown and changed over time. Um, I still find some things annoying that I did find annoying as a kid. Like as a kid, I would just hate loud sounds and stuff. Or I'd hate people chewing or whistling. <laughs> but obviously when I did it myself, I was fine. It's so, uh, I don't know how it works, but it's just, you know, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. And um, <laughs> as a kid, I used to get angry and stuff and jealous easily. And, you know, just sad if I lost a game or whether I was picked for anything um as as an adult now I just I just shrug off and say that's life really well sometimes I do get upset but you know that's just my autism playing up so yeah now did you go over the years to any sort of therapies or how did you uh, okay and yeah do you still I do did. that to this day or do you kind of like keep everything under control or what do you do <laughs> i still go to therapy it's a mental health service of it's called cams in england um not a lot of people praise it yeah that's fairly not people say it's not helpful at all and i've heard numerous stories about it and um 
yeah, obviously I do not wish to publicly make my comments about them public, whether they're good or bad. But yeah, I've heard a lot of stories about them. Mm. And yeah, I still do therapy for I'm meant to be on adult services now, but it's been delayed because of the pandemic. So I don't know what's happening. <laughs> but I would say if it if you feel that it if something helps you, it's got to be something good even if you know everybody doesn't have the same experience you know somebody had a difficult experience i mean i could say that about different uh hospitals and stuff like that you know certain hospitals you know you know just for medical things you know uh treat people terribly and then other ones treat people well but i think it's a case-by-case basis on everything so you know yeah um so um what what does the outlook look like as far as the rest of your life? You can basically be a functional, fully functional person and, and continue on doing all your things, or is there anything that might set you back or you don't consider anything a setback and everything's, you know, up for open, uh, <laughs> up for grabs or whatever uh, in your, in your life, do you think? Um. Well, I always stumble when I'm asked this question because I really don't know what I'm doing. Oh, well, yeah, of my you're, life. we're talking about the future. It's all. I'd say voice acting. Hypothetical. Yeah. I want to be a voice actress. Well, I know I am, but maybe I hope a you do. Flesh yeah. one. I don't know. But yeah, I would also like to become an ambassador for, well, I already am an ambassador for autism, but like more out there, as I say. Well, as people say, not just me, when you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. Mm. Yeah, well, they say autistic now. Yeah, because it's not like I have... When I say with autism, it's like in a bag, but then autistic, it's like me all over. But then I used to think it was the other way around, like an autistic person that was offensive. But apparently it's not. I don't I don't know. It's all, it's all too confusing. I just lay on the sidelines and go, yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm just kind of chilled <laughs> back here. Yeah, so, yeah. So. And then ex- explain to me, you know, and I'm sure some people watching probably don't necessarily, especially if they don't know anybody personally autistic, um, what's the difference between like autism and Asperger's and all the various different terms that are out there? I mean, is it still all autism in, in the end of the, at the end of the day or what? Asperger's is more of a social communication um you have trouble with socializing and communicating with others and stuff. Maintaining eye contact is very hard. Um, I never used to maintain eye contact with anyone. It was so hard to just look at someone in the eye and their face would just be plastered in my head for the whole day. I'm like, get out of my head. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's more of a sort of communication um, condition uh, mm. sort of thing. Autism is like, I think it's just it affects people differently. People get it in, in in different sort of formulas, as I say. It's like a salad bar. You pick whatever you want, echolalia, obsessions, um, OCD, everything like that, sort of in a um in a uh, like a little box or something like that. And then you there you have it, an autistic person. Um my brother <laughs> is similar, he communicates through echolalia, he has trouble going out, he has triggers that set him off, dogs barking, babies crying. Uh, loud noises like fire alarms and stuff like that well none of those affect me apart from babies crying they can be a bit annoying sometimes um, <laughs> 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 that's the next voice uh, oh, no. <laughs> there was a baby the day i probably die of embarrassment <laughs> i know i've never had a high voice so i can never do anything along those lines i'm more of a silk person with a dark deep with like a dark deeper voice Ooh, cool. um, <laughs> Wow. 
Uh, wow, wow. <laughs> You're a baby Herman. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, it's really just what you see is what you get, really. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, if this is autism appreciation <laughs> or awareness, uh what or should acceptance. One... or acceptance, that's the word you said it and I'd forgotten it already. Or um um I mean there isn't any special way to treat you one way or the other. It's just to, to respect you for who you are is probably the best way, right? You know, if- just treat us normally. Just treat us like a normal human being. We're all normal. Right. Say a lot for the people in the back. I will. We're all normal. We're not aliens. We're not people from outer space. We're <laughs> normal humans just like you. <laughs> and that's what i wanted to get across so, so i appreciate that you said that you know because yeah. some people go oh they have autism oh well, we treat them with kid gloves and blah, you know and everything it's like well yeah. sometimes i do want to be treated like sort of like well yeah i mean like, everybody if has everyone's being treated and strictly and i'm being treated strictly i'm like no go soft on me i don't like people shout oh yeah I, that's another thing i don't like people shouting at me <laughs> that's that's always no. i don't like people getting angry at me it makes me cry it makes me physically cry it's mm. i don't even know what to say to mm. be fair. you know yeah <laughs> so all right well uh you know i don't know if i have any other questions let me just double check and see what i got we went through that yeah that's pretty much all i have uh, is there anything else you wanted to say or i can just hand it over to you to like give your normal plugs uh, you know you can plug the bill scott documentary again or any website you have um and how people can contact you and give you voiceover jobs <laughs> well i will say one thing do what you love and love what you do. Very good. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. I got off Animal Crossing. One of my villagers said it. <laughs> I just think it's a very good inspirational quote now. I'll use it in my yearbook quote. I'll use, put it on my gravestone. Yeah. All right. So, you know, promote yourself one more, one last time. Where can they find the documentary? Uh, how can they contact you? How can they give you a voiceover job? How can they give you a million pounds? Okay. <laughs> my, my documentary is on YouTube. You can search it. Bill Scott, The Portrait of a Moose on the channel Amber the Fangirl. And that's my channel. I A-M-B-E-R space T-H-E space F-A-N-G-I-R-L. So there's that. And I'm on Instagram as Amberlea X. That's A-M-B-E-R-L-E-A-H-H-X and that's the same for twitter as well facebook my facebook is private um so i don't add it unless you are a very close friend um so so you (laughs) you will see me you will see me you're welcome to chat with me on facebook but obviously you know don't add me because that's all that's all stuff that that's shied away from the real world something i don't want to stuff i don't want to be made public i don't want everyone being the public eye in my family because fair enough yeah you don't want to be that open and accessible no. you know it's, no. um <laughs> any uh personal appearances any other conventions maybe not as a guest but even just attending. i wish <laughs> no but i mean even attending in the next few months besides um, riverside you know i'm doing comic con liverpool next month um i'm doing comic con edinburgh this october i may be doing tf nation this august but this october i'm meeting frank walker so don't bother me because i'll be meeting my favorite person in the whole wide world <laughs> now do you do you set up a table or do you just attend i just attend i oh, okay. don't okay. i don't do any set up autographs things i just go i just enjoy the space i cosplay i, I cosplay yeah. a lot 
I didn't know if you had like any marketable items like little doodads or doohickeys or sold anything. You I know, want but, a marketable yeah. plushie of myself sometimes. Yes, there you go. You make a plushable hot a plush hot helicopter. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, that sounds really cool. <laughs> there's there's your next project. Good idea, Mark. Um, well, it's a pleasure having you on the show again. I think we covered a lot of different things. And, Thank you. Uh, you know, it's always a pleasure. Uh, if you get another voiceover or, you know, we could talk again after you do your Riverside trip and uh, talk about that and how it came out. And maybe you'll know where the uh, theme park ride will end up. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> more information and, uh, you know, like give you all the kudos and everything and hope you the best for your long and prosperous voiceover and documentary filmmaking career. <laughs> <laughs> let's see if i can do it yes <laughs> live long and prosper live long okay. and prosper all right well i thank you very much for being on the fun ideas podcast today and you're welcome mark this is mark arnold and we'll talk to you next time bye thank you for listening and thank you amber jones for being my special guest Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode 162 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2022. Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night.